Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast version, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can also find information about my talk show appearances and any new book projects at MarlenePardo.com or go to Amazon and look up my author profile as Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and also listen to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for Scary Storytelling, Nightshade Diary for Classic Horror and Adventure Stories, and of course, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests as we talk about the mysteries of the unexplained. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy theories, and just about anything that is plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? Good, I hope. I'm doing good, considering everything. <laughs> and I know, you know, I stagger the show a little bit, but I'm sure that by the time you guys hear this, we're going to still be on the same page, which is, you know, we're still... Uh, under the effects of COVID, regardless of where you are in the United States, you know, every state's got a different, but we're all there. We're all there. And um, so, again, I'm well. Mine are doing well. My, when I say mine, my people, my family. Um, I'm being forced to do more farm work than I would like to because what else is there to do? I mean, in other words, I don't have excuses. You know, the procrastinator in me doesn't have a good excuse not to do something that I'm dragging my butt on. And of course, we're in the middle here of uh, rainy season in South Florida, which like you all know, because of the my trees, the hundred and some trees is fabulous, but my lawn and the weeds. And as Dr. Malcolm from Jurassic Park said, life finds a way. Boy, does it find a way. It's like a jungle. I mean, I mow. And then it's like, I come out two days later, and it's like, wait a minute. So, yeah, uh, super busy, super hot, super humid, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And, of course, um, all my chickens and everybody's doing fine, my dogs. Uh, even my dogs are thinking, why is she spending so much time at home? <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, guys, and I, and I hope that when you hear this, you are all doing well. Um, and, but let's get to the good part. The good part, you know, is what or who, okay, is here tonight. And I know you're all going to be very excited, especially if you are a dragon enthusiast. And the name of tonight's guest is Sean McKenzie. She has been a freelance editor for over 20 years and a writer far longer. She is the author of two scholarly works on the science myth and lore of dragons around the world. She has the following books issued by Llewellyn, The Dragon Keeper's Handbook and Dragons for Beginners, issued in 2011-2012. 
Uh, she's a graduate of Bennington College, a transplanted Vermonter, an avid student of myth, religion, philosophy, and animals, real and imaginary, great and small. And her short stories have been anthologized in Southshire Pepperpot, Skyline Review, and as a winner of the Shire's Press Award for Short Stories, to name a few. She's currently working on a short story collection and a novel about myth magic in chinchillas in the high Andes. we got to ask her about that. But anyway, <laughs> help me to welcome her. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing fine. Thank you for inviting me. I should add to that uh, it's a little out of date. I've got a third dragon book out called uh, Llewellyn's Little Book of Dragons, which oh, really? just came out. Okay, okay. Just came out here. Um, and uh, I'm also working on a, a brand new uh, Dragon Tarot deck with Llewellyn, which which oh, will be coming out. I'm in the future. So that's uh, okay. kind of taking precedence right now. But anyway. Okay, but is that going to be out for 2020 or you don't know yet? That, that, that will be out either the end of next year or the beginning of 2022. Uh, okay, it's, <laughs> Marlene's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I know what you mean that as far as sometimes yard, those things take a while to get actually going through the every, all the process as far as to be on the market. Yeah. Okay, but that's that's super interesting. A dragon tarot. Wow. But I'm going to ask you, Sean, what I ask all my guests, how did you get interested in this field of dragons? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's way, way, way back. Um, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. uh, very, I, was, I was like four or so, um, there was this wonderful used bookstore in St. Paul. I grew up in Minnesota. And, um, and we used to go to the bookstore, and, and I found this marvelous book called uh, The Dragon Green um, by this woman, J. Bissell Thomas. It was a British book, and um, it was about this wonderful, eccentric, um, spiky, wiky, courageous, silly dragon, right, uh, who falls in love with the princess and all sorts of things happen to him, um, defeats a witch, okay. et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, that was probably my first connection to dragons way back then. And they always have fascinated me ever since. Um, I, I think they've, as I've grown up and, and read about dragons and studied them, I've always felt that they got a terrible rap, as it were. Um, they really got short shrift. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because, yeah, they could be, they could be heroic, but I've seen them play the villain part a lot also, yeah. Especially the, in, the, in the West. Uh, where religion kind of took them over as a symbol of evil and so on and so forth. Not so bad in the East. In Asia, uh, the the Chinese and Japanese dragons, they were treated much better. Um, right. But in the West, we, we did not treat them very well. Um, it's changing, I think, with with 
contemporary fiction. Um, yeah. They're becoming a little more nuanced, uh, a little more three-dimensional, um, and and that's good. It's about time, you know. Right. Yes. They've 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 developed. Um, yeah, they've developed. Like, I, yeah, I know what you're saying as far as personalities for certain characters, and um, they weren't intent on burning everything down or eating people or eating virgins or what you know. But it's usually they exactly. Put, yeah, uh, ex uh, yeah. They've they've made them or Keep or or good. that they're under some type of uh, or a reason why they're they're the way they are. In other words, yeah. But they're they're a fascinating creature because in I mean from from the beginning from even when they were these cosmic creatures um, through literary and cinematic um, incarnations they're they're sort of these empty vessels that the author or the the filmmaker or the the philosopher or the, the the priest, whoever, can kind of they need to at the time, you know, if if they need uh, if they need a, a great a great dragon who is the giver of rain, you got a great dragon who gives rain. If you need a villain um, or a guardian or whomever, you know, they you can fill that space with a dragon. Yes. Um, yeah. So they, they are definitely at the, at the, <laughs> uh, subject to the tyranny of, of the, of the author or the, uh, creator, um, who happens to be using them at the time. Right. Exactly. Even if, and I know we had talked about, you know, different things as far as in literary dragons, sometimes they're the main character and sometimes, mm -hmm. like you said, they're used um, to fill in a certain void, like, like I said before, to be the villain or the guardian of something or uh, whatever maybe needs to be propelled. Let me ask you, because I've always thought about this, and, and I know you made the reference to Western versus, you know, Asian and I'm always thinking, because the imagery of dragons has been around for a long time. Yeah. And you think, <clears throat> what was the origins of dragons? How far back is that? Have you ever come across that information? Well, you've got, you've got your great cosmic dragons, which go back to, to creation stories all around the world. Mm -hmm. That's another thing about dragons. I mean... Uh, Every culture in every continent has some dragon story or connected to it. You know, um, you've, you've got uh, the great uh, sovereign plume serpent in in Mexico and Central America. You've got uh, the um, the great five-toed dragons. In China, who, who were part of the of the cosmic creation, um, and a bunch of littler, lesser known ones in in a more tribal sense around the world. Um, 
So they go way back. In, in China, they go back uh, easily. Uh, three to four thousand years before before the common era, as it okay. were. Let me ask you: Do you? Th because I'm always thinking. Okay, <laughs> is it coincidental that the imagery of dragons um, resembles dinosaurs in a way? That I was thinking. I always wondered: Did some ancient civilization uncover uh, a, a complete skeleton? Where did like where did they draw on this? Well, there was in in um, before paleontology became known as we know it today. Mm -hmm. um, uh, back in the oh god, let me get this right. Eighteenth <laughs> um, dinosaur bones were being up in China, okay. and since there was no notion of I love your birds. Uh, there was no notion of dinosaurs per se, right? Um, was but there was a sense of dragons. Dragons had a place in Chinese culture. You, you dig up these wonderful, big, huge bones. Right. Yes, that's exactly what I think of. I th I've thought of that. Maybe so they, had, they came across a complete and some animal, you know, a, a dinosaur that was completely whole. I guess is what I'm referring to. The, the Gobi Desert and places like that were just littered with dinosaur okay. bones. Right. So that was that. Just it became a natural part of the mythology and and. Right, because I've you know I've often wondered, because you know, and, and and I'm thinking most people think of, um, you know, your typical uh, paleontologist as in the modern time. When I say mean modern by comparison to ancient civilizations, mm -hmm. I'm thinking you know any of these places they could have uncovered somehow or other, or if you had a let's say a mudslide or something uncovered that had been hidden. And it might oh, yeah. have been a complete skeleton, you know, of an animal that maybe got buried instantly, you know, not... Well, you think Archaeopteryx, you know, a, this wonderful little winged, drag, winged dinosaur, mm -hmm. um, to people who, who come from a dragon-centric culture, oh, this is just a baby dragon. Right. No. Um, maybe it was. It, it is. Um, right. I mean, I, I, everybody always thinks of small as a baby, like, or uh, a young one, in other words. But they're all kinds. Of, uh, that's another thing. I mean, dragons. Um, the culture of dragons, they go from very small to, of course, huge, huge dragons that, that one thinks of as dragons. Right. Um, but there, but there are little guardian dragons and household dragons that, that are, are part of, of folklore and, and mythology all over the world. Um, and, you know, they, they hang out in your garden and they love omelets and, uh, <laughs> 
and cozy places by the fire and um and this is part of of dragon culture as well and they're, and they're no bigger than a house cat right. so yeah yeah because you uh-huh. always think of and they've usually been characterized as very large or big mm-hmm. in other words um yeah. winged uh fire breathing in a lot of cases um yeah, and and, and, and I, 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 that tradition of um, of making them in many sizes is something that I, I'm glad to see came about versus it always being this huge dragon, which uh, people were mostly afraid of, even if it wasn't unfriendly. But people were like very careful because of that that dragon, and uh-huh. then once they gave him. Um, how can I say it? Uh, dragons that actually spoke. How's that? With a personality versus the the ones that would just fly and swoop around and you know uh-huh. everybody would just run for, run and duck for cover. You know you yeah. had the uh, the ones that the, because they spoke they developed personalities and you heard their story, uh, whatever it was and things like that. I, I loved you know when I see stories go in that direction yeah it, um, I like to, I like to think of uh, well I've written a whole stories and, and most of my dragons dragon fiction has the dragons are, are uh, very articulate so, right 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 <laughs> because it's it's um, they may not always be understood by by the but that's the the human feeling to the dragon sailing. I mean not all people speak dragon, that's just Right. No. Right. Um but it's um I just I like to think of them as as these complete creatures. Um who who are complex and and um, have complex lives and social lives and, and how they, the world around them. Um, and I think as people, we can learn a lot from them, I think. Um, um, I remember, you know, because I've always been uh, an, an avid reader. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to say, was it the 70s or 80s? When um, the, the the series came out, the Dragon Riders of Pern by uh, Anne McCaffrey, Mac, Mac wonderful. Free, you know that you saw that that um, that relationship between mm-hmm. the the human being and, and dragon. the dragon. You know, yeah. That's one and one of the earliest examples that I can really think of where it. It wasn't like I said. It wasn't. It wasn't portrayed as a monster. I'm. I'm sure maybe there was earlier stories, but that's the one that comes to mind. Where yeah. I, I think a lot of people started falling in love with dragons. In other words, beyond. Oh yeah, and there was a wonderful thing about those in that she took the human mythology of of a dragon and and these people on this on who landed on this planet created the dragons, I mean, genetically modified 
the creatures that were there and connected them to a human mythology. Right. They turned them into dragons that we people could relate to because that was what one was what was needed to fight. Also, it was um, it made sense. You know, it was it was making myth real. Right. You know, in which was wonderful. I thought those were marvelous books. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, those were like the, the earliest, you know, that came to mind uh, mm -hmm. as far as that 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 whole the, the whole story of dragons. It it took a turn, you know, like okay, let's let's make them. Um, part of the in other words they were the central i mean yes you had the the central human character but the dragons mm -hmm. were just as important yeah as the central but, figures in the stories yeah they weren't just obstacles in the way who had to be slain or or whatever yeah they were very integral to the tales before that i mean you had a few but they were mostly uh, kid stories um, like my father's dragon and and things like that. Um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, who both professed a great love for dragons, they kept their dragons kind of in in the old mold of the bad guys. Um, mm -hmm. Especially Tolkien. I mean, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader in the Narnia books, uh, when Eustace turns into a dragon. Being a dragon makes him a better person. So the dragon isn't, um, strictly speaking, a bad guy. Um, and then there are the the Perilandria dragons who are who are just kind of, I mean, they're space dragons. So that that's a whole different world sort of thing. Um, right, because I mean, in the most recent, what was it? One of the you know the dragon smog you know that you see in the the you know the the trilogy or the movie stuff that they put out for the hobbit you know where or you know the that obviously it's it it's it's a very powerful dragon but it's motivated by basically by greed is what you see um when you think about it if 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 the dwarves had left smog alone would he have done what he I mean, there's always a way to, to turn it. <laughs> to, right, 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 exactly. But, he uh, had yeah, his he, stuff. Yeah. They made it sound like he wasn't, but, but which, by the way, I love the actor who they they used to voice Smog. Uh, oh. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch yeah. It's like, I, I, I have. As a matter of fact, about um, three, four years ago, they in Home Depot of all places they had a dragon phone. Did you know that they uh -huh. bring, and it has. I'm sure it's not him, but the phone is an actual dragon. And it's modeled like one of those old time phones, but it's an actual dragon. And when you pick oh. it up, you hear the voice of the dragon telling you all this great stuff with that voice. I have it permanently outside. I, you know, they sold it originally as a Halloween prop. I have it. All, uh -huh. I have it on uh, one of my end tables next to a sofa. 
<laughs> and it lights up, and people get a real kick out of it. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, uh, it's 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 it, and, and in a way, I'm glad I got it because I never saw them bring it back as uh, during the Halloween times. It's almost like they did it that one year, and that was it. And I said, I'm gonna take this just in case. And sure enough, I've never seen it again uh, come out with um, with it's a very unusual and. And it lights up, and like I said, this, the, the the voice and everything, and it's like excellent. It's got some really great recordings. Um, let me and, and and like you mentioned now, I mean, you know, as far as let's say science fiction and fantasy novels and everything, I've seen the development of dragon characters integrated into all these storylines or these universes. How's that? Uh. Much more so than they used to be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I think also we're getting beyond the very basic sort of sword and sorcery right. kind of stuff, um, which is fun. It's, it shows that people are, you know, thinking bigger, which I like. Um, uh I haven't read as much modern modern dragon stuff as I as <laughs> I probably right. should, or as I want to. But um, I mean, um, I keep waiting for it on a on a not on a quasi literary, but on a cinematic scale. Mm-hmm. Um, with the advent of what what can be done with CGI these days, oh, yeah. I really keep waiting for a, a wonderful, beautifully rendered dragon story on film. And there there really aren't many. I mean, um, there's a marvelous Russian film called I Am Dragon, which is which is. Um, Almost a fairy tale kind of thing, very Beauty and the Beast, uh, Arrowson. Is that? Sort let of, me ask you something. I, hmm. I'm thinking, is that one? It, there's one I saw, and I know it was an independent film out of Europe, and maybe that's it. Where he transforms, he's a dragon, and he's cursed on an island. Is that it? Yes, that the, it? the island looks like a dragon skull. Yes. And oh my God! That what a great movie that was. That was I love that film. That beautiful film, but you know, most of the films are just kind of um, <laughs> prosaic. Dragons deserve something more than prosaic. I think uh, they deserve something wonderful. Um, the dragons in Game of Thrones. They did really well with those, but um, but again, they were they as spectacular as they were. In many ways, they were props to the right. the rest of the story. It wasn't it wasn't their story. Um, so I, I I still love the scene when when Tyrion went down and and released um, released the dragons from the dungeon. I, that that. That's oh, yes. just that was just ah wonderful, right? Um, and I yelled at the screen when <laughs> when 
when Danny locked them up, because how dare she? You do not lock up the dragons. You just don't do that, you know. Well, even um, with, um, which one was the one from J.K. Rowling? Uh, I forget which which one is it, the one where they have the, 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 the dragon chained up guarding Oh, in in the in guarding the gold in in yes. the bank. Yes, and yeah. I, lose, I, I lose track of which one it is. If it was Goblet of Fire, or you know, after a while, you know, you lose track of which one specifically had that scene. But yeah, huh. it was very like you feel so sorry for that dragging in there, you know, and that they they get it out of there, they set it free. Um, and I know in her storyline she mentions that there's different breeds of dragons and and uh, that they're 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 free. There there's a place where where they belong or a habitat where they belong to that they're free. Right. Uh. But again, they're like they're like a, a side thing over here in uh, Disney World in Orlando. They have an actual dragon-sized statue of a dragon. You know, the, oh, part yeah? of the Harry Potter, oh. <laughs> you know, that they have those themed uh, parts of the park and where they have the Harry Potter um, part, I guess we want to call it. Uh, they actually put the dragon, dragon size, by the way, clinging to the side of the building that the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, I must have stood there like 30 minutes just looking at it. And everyone's like, what breathes fire? And I'm like, oh my God, that was like, this is the best. I mean, after a while, when you've gone to some of these parks, you, you you know the wow factor is not there anymore. Well, yeah, I got my wow factor back then, right then and there when I saw this because that was that was great. That was like, for lack of a better word, it was breathtaking. What they did that, with that dragons have that wow factor. I mean, real big, kick-ass dragons. Yeah, uh, fire breathing, wings flapping. I mean, they have that woof sense of wonder that yes. makes you, your jaw drop. And, and I think that also is, is one of the things that that fascinates people about them. You know, it's like, yeah, we they should be in this world because they are so spectacular, you know. Um, and you want to see them flying across the mountains or, or out over the sea, you know, because that's where they belong. Right. And not, and not necessarily in characters where they're subservient, you know, yeah. to, to humans, yeah. in other words. Or, yeah. Um, as they as they as are I'm wild, sorry. you know, they, they, are, they are the wild personified. And and we need that. I think we we really need that, um, especially as as human beings keep pushing the wilderness back and and stomping on it. We need that reminder of of what wild is. Right. Exactly that. Oh, uh, and and of course, um, the imagination is because if if in, and you know sometimes I stop and think. Okay. What if they did exist? What if? Mm -hmm. What if? You know, were you, everybody. Um, what if? You know, would we be able to coexist with them? Um, <laughs> what if all of a sudden we saw a dragon in the sky? You know, like you know how everybody's always having, uh, you know, this thing about extraterrestrials and UFOs. What if all of a sudden 
Um, what was that movie? And I know in this one they portrayed dragons very negatively. What was it? Rain of Fire, where uh, uh, yeah. you know they and do the, the drilling, and all of a sudden they discover dragons, and dragons decimate everything. But uh -huh. something along the lines of basically we have a world without dragons and then we have a world with dragons. Yeah. And I always think, okay, how would this work? Would it, if it was something gradual that we had from ancient times or how would it happen if all of a sudden you look up and there's a dragon and it's like, what? Yeah. And yet, how would, how would we handle it? Um, because we, I, I think we all have a problem with something, even if it doesn't want to, that can eat us. How's that? I worry we wouldn't handle it well. Just Probably not. Yeah, which is a problem. But um, at the same time, I also think on, a, on an abstract, in an abstract sense, a world without dragons is so much less. You know, just without the idea of dragons. Right. You know, the idea of dragons, whether they are, you know, walking down Main Street or, or wherever, um, they make us better people somehow, I think. Right. Well, um, yeah. if, if, if you think of about the closest thing that I could think of that kind of also relates, even though it wasn't dragons per se, it was a Jurassic Park films, which is like uh, something huge, something that basically intrudes that that existed at one point, and you could tell it didn't do, humans and they didn't do well. You know, in other words, humans <laughs> got stomped out of existence or eaten. You know, it was like, uh. Um, so in other words. It makes you wonder, you know, if it was something that we would have said, okay, developed with, with humankind as far as it was a normal thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and people just handled it because it was part of the environment. Like Just like, let's say, whales. Oh, yes. yeah. Dragons. Yeah, yeah we've always, they've been, always been around. Who um, knows what's under the sea? I mean, how much of the oceans have we even ex begun to explore? Uh, there are great possibility of, of uh, sea dragons. Yes, that's another thing. We have you know. a whole history of uh, of sea dragons or sea monsters in some cases, but they have a mm -hmm. very comparable, um, that th they look almost the same, except, of course, you know, we're talking, um, and they've always, of course, they've always been portrayed. I want to say, I, I want to say, even more so than air dragons, as more negatively, as in um, they want to like wreck things and yeah, any people. Um, yeah, again, I think that's that's culturally largely a Western construct. I mean, in in. Um, in Japan, for example, the the the, um, the king of the of the sea dragons is is a um, he's very important to the culture because he helps with the fishing, and fishing, okay. of course, very essential to any of the Pacific um, cultures there. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there. Who knows? <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, right. No. Um, uh, Leviathans and 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 so on. And you always almost also, you know, um, most times, most dragons are portrayed as having a much longer lifespan than human beings, in other words. And I'm thinking of them also sometimes as, ha as being the repository of history. Oh, yeah. Way, of the, of the, you know, I've been around so long. Very long memories. Right. Yes. I know yeah. history because of, I was around when... You know your great great grandparents or something whatever weren't around so you always think also that some aspects of them are that and yeah. um also the you know the the reproduction you know do they have do they lay eggs you know do they have do they hatch you know other little dragons like in in game of thrones you know that she's considered the mother of dragons because she, you know, she takes them over from uh, basically since birth. So it's always like, I think it's very interesting, you know, what they use as the genesis for the dragon story, whatever it is, or the dragon character. Well, they, they put there are all place. kinds of ways you can go. My personal belief is that dragons come from a very natural reptilian or quasi-reptilian source and they lay eggs mm -hmm. and they have societies as it were family structure um, and uh, they are connected to the seasons in terms of, of uh, mating and laying and, and hatching and so on and so forth and, and right. raising the little ones um, that's my personal view. That's that's my personal sort of right. construct of 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 dragons, and and I dare someone to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, and and, uh, and, and and it makes sense though if you want to look at like you said from the reptilian aspect because of course with how they look. Um, yeah, and then you add into it they need the eggs need fire to mm -hmm. to hatch. It, it helps, it, it anneals the, the shell so it cracks and, and the little ones, can, dragons can get out, um, things like that. Um, but it's, they are part of the natural world, in, as, in my way of thinking. Right. Um, so, uh, right, they're not, they're not, um. Like I said, if we could pretend that they had always been around, like, you know, elephants and whales, and they were just part of our environment, you know, yeah. like, it, it wouldn't be unusual uh, to have, just like if you see, a, a, you know, well, you know how people now go see, a, you know, whale sighting or whale, you know, whale spotting, uh -huh. I don't know what you call it exactly. That yeah. would be something like, yeah, let's go to the coast of so-and-so, the the dragons will be flying by, migrating, you know, or something like that. Um, there are sanctuaries all around the world. You just have to know where they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that, uh, 
that you always see them as um, as you know they have their place and we have ours. But I think a lot of people have made their their you know like you like I you know we commented on they've been put into so many different storylines um, mm -hmm. either as heroes or villains or um, verbal or you know nonverbal as in you know oh you know run it's the dragon you know or or um, God what was that one um, there was one that I can't remember right now that I want to say Sean Sean Connery played the voice for the dragon. Oh, uh, Dragonheart. Right. Dragonheart. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Um, they give them the, these personalities, um, which I think is the most interesting. That, that Those are the dragon characters that I like. Yes. That uh, they... they they have their own interests. They have their own agendas, in other words. Uh -huh. uh, and it's not necessarily having to help the humans. <laughs> you know, uh, one of those deals. Um, I think that, and and again, it, it uh, because I think, it, and looking at it in literary terms, that I'm always wondering, you know, where, I mean, I, like I told you, I, I foreshadowed a dragon character in one of my stories that, like a very short little foreshadowing, you know, like it was like, I'm going to do something on this later and I'm going to throw this little tidbit out there. And, um, and she, uh, my dragon is going to be because she, my character is going to go into another dimension, like a parallel universe kind of deal. Um, and where dragons are like commonplace in other words. Uh, so I can yeah. do whatever I want in this world. Wonderful. Uh, versus, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna drag you know the dragon into this this reality. No, I'm gonna change reality to fit the dragon. Um, uh huh. And um, you know I'm I'm debating you know, um, you know you always think of, and you know when you start the creative process, let's say, and of a dragon story or, or or that the the world that you build. I don't know, uh, around, because that's really where you have to go with this, especially when you're starting from scratch, where you could go wherever you want with this. Yeah. Uh, even if you want to make it Earth-like or not Earth-like, or what are the rules of this world, or, you know, how, how are your characters, you know, what yeah. is this? Are we at the... Yeah. And I'm always... As long as you have a, have a, a logic, an internal logic, they tend to work. I think. Right, right, right. And you want to make it consistent. And I'm thinking, I haven't even thought of, should we have, just like people, good mm -hmm. dragons and dra you know, in other words, friendly ones, unfriendly ones, yeah. um, ones that are, you know, in other words, just the same thing as that sometimes drives human beings, as in, um, you know, somebody's done, done you wrong and now, you know, you're, 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 you're not happy with humans, you know, like in other words, not, not making them totally like be wanting to help. Maybe they, they've had a bad experience with humans sure. or, you know, whatever the case might be. I, I'm still working that out. You know, it's like you try that off for size and you're like, okay, but no, what, you know. so well, um, if you look as, at dragons as, as if they're any other species, I mean, you look at 
um, you look at cats, for example. Yes. Uh, some cats are very friendly. Mm-hmm. Some cats will, you know, scratch your hands off. Um, <laughs> and they're they're like people in that in that way, in terms of um, past experiences uh, and how that feeds into the the creatures that they become, right? Um, and I like to think dragons are, are kind of that same way, that, that nature and nurture go to play into into their characters as well. So, right, right. Yeah. I've even debated, like, what size am I going to make these dragons? Am I going to be the monolithic, you know, or am I going to scale them down to make them more... More accessible. More accessible, yes. Like the the in other words, it wasn't like this thing that everybody's afraid of and or that is just towering and I mean I maybe for like you said, for movie effects it's great. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But I think for uh relationships it's like I would rather have I'm I'm leaning more towards a smaller scale dragon. Yeah. Um, that's It'd be a personal. little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, my dragon, which I only use because I can ride it because I'm holding up to its neck and I'm just like a speck on it. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, all right. That kind of limits you to, um, you know, I, I, I'd rather have more of a one-on-one relationship with a dragon. So I'm, I'm seriously leaning towards scaling the dragon down. Still impressive, yeah. but, you know, yeah. smaller, um, more, uh, hey, we can have a conversation and you're not going to be booming in over my head, you know. <laughs> Where she's, okay, let's just, you know, let's have a dialogue between my character, one which happens to be human and the other one's a, a dragon. And they can actually be whispering stuff to one another. You know, that kind of deal. If I wanted to, you know, like, uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, those are the kind of things that float around in my head. And and also, and I'm sure maybe you thought of this because you, you, you referred um, the color, the colorings of dragons. Mm. You know, as far as uh, not necessarily have to be just strictly reptilian as in greenish or, you know, some oh, like no, traditional they're all, they're colors. All... Yeah, um, I mean, you you have, I think uh, my take on color in dragons has to do with uh, environment and mm-hmm. diet. Um, right. That, that those are the things that, that uh, I mean, um, your forest dragons would be greens and browns, your mountain dragons would probably be um, grays and, and whites. Things like that. Um, uh, your water dragons, of course, would be blues and, and teals and so on. And then what what dragons eat affects the, the the minerals and so on that dragons take in would affect how their scales um, change. Uh, at your Right, yeah. We have a, a bearded dragon named Henry. And, um, 
you know, I, I've seen, you know, different colors, the, you know, that it affects him depending on what he's been eating and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if he's getting his sun because we, we because of our weather, <clears throat> we can put him outside instead of a heat lamp. Uh-huh. We have a place for him outside, which he loves. Oh. You know? And we only bring him in if the, if the, if it gets really the weather, you know, not, not that common, but gets too cold or. Yeah, uh, there's just really inclement weather. Then, then we have a regular cage, and he'll look at us over the side of the cage, and everybody here talks to Henry. It's like he in the morning, you know, he, he kind of goes to sleep at night, and then in the morning, I see him pop his head out, especially if I brought him in. And it's like, okay, Henry, <laughs> I'm gonna take you out in just a minute. Okay, hold on, you know. And uh, how much? <laughs> being stuck under a heat lamp—that's wonderful. Well, no, we, we, you know, we, once upon a time, and I said, well, why would we, let's give him real sun. Let's, and what we did was we got a big giant parrot cage uh -huh. and we made it and I made him like a little cloth canopy. So if he needed a little bit of shade, so he's yeah. outside in with 80 degree something weather that we have here a lot. It's heated. In other words, he doesn't need a heat lamp. He's got the yeah. sun and a little bit of shade. And um, the only time we bring him in, like I said, it's it's cool. for some reason he can't. Be. But I know what you mean as far as I, I look at his colors based on what we give him to eat. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, they all have their own, like, either yellowish, brownish, reddish. You know, some, mm -hmm. some of these bearded dragons will change depending on how they were born. But, yeah, I know what you mean. But um, he's a... And you know he like just looks at you with that that's that those eyes that are like, you know, and like I said, everybody in the household talks to Henry like Henry understands you. So I'm gonna use a lot of the inspiration for his bearded dragon for the uh, that that stare gaze that they give you, and then they blink and they look at you, you know, like and you're like, hey Henry, you know. And sure <laughs> enough, when I wake up in the morning, he looks up over the because we have like a little cage in here, and you see him look over, look at me like I'm ready to go outside now. <laughs> so um yeah uh i'm planning to draw on that because that's about the closest thing i have to a dragon is a bearded dragon yeah uh, so the, the um but i'll I, tell I you say, a lot yeah the, the mythology well you know might as well integrate as much as i can uh it the mythology i think is ever evolving even though i know there's a lot of tropes out there circulating as far as the dragon story yeah, I always am hoping that that even those those are good that you know we're gonna be seeing new ones or uh -huh. improvements or using what's there, but then taking it, uh, just changing it up a little bit so that you yeah. say, "Wow, I had not thought of that before." Um, you know that that kind of like approach. Uh-huh. Um, and you know and and you know we could or, or you know because you know there's always a setting of here earth as an earth like versus a totally different world you know are we right. off world are we whether it's fantasy or space as in another world hey we uh -huh. landed on this new planet and guess what dragons there are, there dragons. are yeah all over the place uh, you know, how do we, things of that nature. Um, yeah. And uh, let me ask you, what do you think of, you know, and I know that, that they've, they've thrown this out there, 
of um, mm. like a dragon human mind meld, like a men mental telepathy thing. Ah, uh, well, I'd say dragons are probably better at it than we are. Right. Um, <laughs> um, like almost like a, 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 a that they something that you, you know you look at it from. Not that they do it with everybody. In other words, that there has to be a special relationship between yeah. them. And, and they're they're very intuitive. They they you know they can they they're um, quite literally old souls mm -hmm. in the sense of and so that they get stuff that people don't. And they can read people in ways that I don't think we're very good at always. Uh, some of us are, but, but you know. Um. Well, I, I, in, in the way I see it, I think that that's like one of the things that a lot of humans would want. You mm. know, let's say, and I'm going to use dogs as pets. I mean, that yeah. as much as you, that, that you could actually be so close to uh, a being that's not a human, even though humans can't do telepathy either, you know, but yeah. that... You could actually communicate without having to talk. And yeah. you always think there has to be a certain degree of closeness, of integration. Definitely, yeah. For that to occur. Yeah. Uh, whether it's actual communication or the ability, like uh, like an empathic, like an empath, where... Definitely an, an, an empathic thing, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I, I see that with a couple of my cats who are, who are, you know, um, they just, they know, I, I'd like to say they know what I'm thinking, but, or whatever, but right. they, they, they connect in that way that, um, uh, we don't have to talk to each other. Yes. You know, they're yes. just, yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, I've had pets all my life. I have cats. I've had dogs. I do have. I have cats, and they stayed with my son in the, the in his house. And I have ten dogs. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know that there's talk about a wide range of personality. Whoever says animals don't have personalities is like sure. Uh huh. Never um, been around them if they say that. Yeah, and by yeah. the way, not not necessarily from birth, because. One of the last three I added were puppies from the same mom. I, I mm -hmm. in other words, there there was no nobody put their finger in this. They all, they all have their personalities. They all have their personalities, and um, yeah, and they you you develop a relationship with them depending on the personality style, and. Yeah. Uh, and they, 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 you know, when I wake up, like, oh, I think I, I think I need to sit down first. Like, they're like, okay, let's leave her alone for a little bit. She's like, she needs to drink <laughs> some tea first or something like that, you know, versus other uh -huh. times I get up and I'm like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. And they're like, all right, she's, she, we're going outside, you know, versus uh, she's in slow mo today. Everybody lies next to me and waits for me to like speed up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, animals. Um, they they. I mean, as far as uh, that, yes, absolutely. I I've seen that. I've seen that with um, 
with things and as far as dragon and like I said, that requires a degree of closeness. Yes. That. Um, and it, and it, with dragons, it requires a degree of belief. You know, mm-hmm. I okay. Um, I gave a, uh, went to a grade school nearby and and to talk about dragons a while back, and the librarian. It was being held in the library, and the librarian came up to me before I started, and she said, don't tell them dragons are real. Oh, really? They're going to ask him, please don't tell them dragons are real. And there was this look on her face like, you know, like she'd mentioned I was coming, and this was the question that came up or whatever. And I said, well, you know, I can't promise anything. Right. <laughs> And the first question kids asked, the kids asked was, hands went up, and they said, so are dragons real? And I said, sure they are. And this poor librarian was, I mean, I probably made her, her week miserable. But, um, <laughs> but it yeah. takes a sense of belief, you know, yes. Yes. to get, to even start to get to a closeness of, of 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 connecting with with be they dragons be they cats be they dogs or parrots or or whoever it may be you know um, and you have to have that sense of belief right right there and um, um, and one of the I was I was I was thinking what was the name and I remembered one of also one of those early stories I remember which I loved was uh, the one the dragon and the George uh, uh, and. That was like, I want to say it was like in the 70s. This is when I was a teenager, uh, which I really, I love that book. I read that book. It was one of those paperbacks that you pick up. Uh-huh. And it was like, well, let's see what this is about. You know, I wasn't like, I wasn't, I want to, but I felt, I, I was so fascinated with the the way that, that the premise of the story. How's that? Yes. Yes. Because. You know, it just took it. That's what I'm talking about when you when you read a story that goes at an angle with the thing of the dragon. This was totally different. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. One of the stories in, in my new book is uh, is um, the dragon from Beowulf. Oh and, really? But it's it's taking the Beowulf. It's taking it from the dragon's perspective. The dragon's telling the story, not uh-huh. and. And uh, so we get um, we get her perspective on things. Isn't that great? I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Where you you know you take characters that usually are on the sidelines or just they're just there somewhere in the background. Yeah. And when you put it according to them, sometimes it's like the same story but a whole different reality. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's like, what? She was just sitting there in her in her cave, and these guys come in and steal her stuff. So, you know, she's protecting her space. I mean, if it was a person, they'd have every consider it was the right thing to do. But, you know, she's a dragon, so. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and I love that. I love when characters um the, and, and, and again it's like a well-known story that 
everybody thinks this they know the story. How's that? The story. Yeah. And it's like everything, you know, something happens witnessed by different people, then you go and you interview them and everybody sells some the same thing but something. interprets it different or they're affected by it differently. Exactly. And I, th- I think yeah. that that's that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, because of course it's like well, that's the story you heard, but let me tell you my story or the real story. Or, in some cases, that character is aware of certain things that were happening or motivations, like you said. Yeah. Which um, have them act a certain way or behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. That may be seen through the eyes of the other characters. It's like either aggressive or wrong or whatever, it- unless you you get the backstory. Yeah. Well if you look at if you look at dragon fairy tales and and, and, and so on, especially around Europe, um various places like there there was a dragon um near Krakow who supposed legend has it, um had had this cave above the there was a river. I'm pretty sure there was, yes, there was a river. Uh, get this right um and these people moved in and they wanted to build their city and so they had to get rid of the dragon well the dragon had been there a whole lot longer than they had you know i mean this was an old dragon he'd been there for hundreds of years but this sense of what eminent domain or manifest destiny whatever you want to call it people move in and and turn the dragons into the bad guys and you gotta get rid of the dragons because this is because the dragons have prime real estate you know yeah you heard yeah there's some version of it you can't yeah you gotta make a villain if you want to do something bad to them yep and uh, and then that's that's the way the story gets handed down and those stories have to be retold it's eh. Right, sort which of. a lot of times, by the way, is you know, you know, what is it? Truth is stranger than fiction, or something yeah. that's retold so many times that it actually becomes a truth when it really wasn't the truth originally. Yep. You know, it's just like we're gonna, we're this is the story, and we're all gonna stick to it. And then before <laughs> you know, every, everybody, uh, absolutely, I, I think that. Uh, if there was a way that we could do, you know, that hot tub time moment travel in history thing, we'd find mm-hmm. we'd stumble across a lot of instances that it was like, you mean that's oh, yeah. what really happened? <laughs> yeah, that's what really happened. And uh, but yeah, putting putting the uh, the dragons into uh, the dragon character, uh, and of course, depending on what the story is, uh, I think that's I I love that that aspect of it. And uh, to me, um, let me ask you on the and um, that that you mentioned at the beginning that you're going to be doing the dragon tarot, okay? Yeah. Which I think is great. Um, you're going to be doing like the full. Uh, is it a certain amount of cards, or how how many cards are going to go into it? And it's a full full deck. Full deck. Okay. Full deck. Um, I'm I'm writing the book for it and and did the the concept for it and and my my skills do not extend to to 
artistic, uh, graphic arts, but um, we have a wonderful young artist um, from Turkey named Firat Solhan, who is doing who's doing the artwork, and they're just stunning. They're they're going to be wonderful, and um, coming up from Llewellyn, and. Soon. I mean, not right. immediately, but uh, but <laughs> in a right, while. Right. No, 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 no. I, I I know that like that. You know, from start to finish, there's a lot of things, like you said, it's, that you know whether it's the artwork, illustration. Let me ask you, interpretation wise, mm-hmm. are 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 you going to be giving it? Um, you know how some tarot's depends if they're. If they're um, upside down, for example, are you going to be giving it some type of negativity, or is it strictly an interpretation of that one card? Yeah, um, my approach is is way. I, I've been reading tarot cards for oh god, about forty years. Okay. So um, I'm I'm taking it from from my my view on it, which is mm-hmm. that I don't use reverse cards, okay. and I figure dragons. Um, have enough energy as it is, and are complex enough as it is that you really don't need to invert them. Um, that that just winds up being clutter. Okay. Um, uh, but they're they're largely based on on a on the rider weight deck, um, right. an offshoot. But they're they're all dragon centric. There, I think there are maybe two or three cards that even have a person in them. So they're they're very dragon centric cards, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I'd like I my take on the tarot is that is that they they elucidate as opposed to foretelling. Okay. Um, that they they clarify what what somewhere deep down we all we already know but we but yes right exactly it's lost in in either the day-to-day confusion of life or just whatever's going on in our heads and that then you use the tarot to, to clarify that um, right, right. that's sort of my my take on it so that's where i'm coming from conceptually and, and in terms of the text and so on. So Right. right. And the reason why I ask is that I've seen several decks and some of them are, some of them I, I've i seen are what I consider harsh cards. It's like, okay, is there anything anything good going to happen here? You know, it's like, hello. <laughs> or or they're very, <clears throat> what's the word? There are a couple. I mean, yeah, you, you go into some of the swords, for example, and, and they can be a, a little... Rough. Um, it's like you're almost nine. afraid. Like, oh my god, we really want to like. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, those I see. Okay, are they rough? Uh, yes, but I I view those as as more warnings of of right, right. You know. and then there's others that, but they're they're almost. I would, in other words, the it's not even per se the swords. The actual entire deck is too dark. It's too. You know uh, what I'm saying? It's like okay, there's bad and worse and worser. It's like okay, uh, hello. These, these aren't dark. Is there any, dark. anything anything like good? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except of like yeah, or 
there's some that I've seen that are too yummy, yummy. Um, ah. They're 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 nice. They're sometimes, but it's like in life, you know. Sometimes there's problems, you know, or uh -huh. like you said, things that need clarification, or yeah. that you have to be like, hey, like like a, a rough tap tap on the shoulder, like pay attention kind of deal. Um, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Versus, yeah. it's all you know. Uh, tra la 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 la. You know, the, the, I, <laughs> I've seen some that are just too tra la 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 la, and it's like okay, but there's yeah. gonna be times where, and and I totally agree with you on the elucidation part of a tarot. Like you know the answer, you just kind of like clear way, so you yeah. can get it, deal with it. Especially if maybe if it's something that you're either procrastinating on or don't want to face, or you know, uh -huh. sometimes you need that that push along, like, you know, look at this maybe from this aspect or, or stop dragging your ass about it or you know, that's, that's my, you know, but yes, that's why I asked you about that because obviously, you know, the, the, the inspiration, uh, as the creator is, you know, what, how can I say it that, like I said, I've seen different interpretations and, you know, mm. you always have the outliers. Like I said, most of them are in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, I like the ones that that you have a mix because that is life. That's a human condition, you know. Yeah, I I'm hoping this 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 comes out very balanced. Yes. I, I, yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. So, end of this next year, twenty. Well, they'll. I'm sure. And you said that that you're going to have a book to go with it as far as the 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 actual deck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I, I'm. I'm doing the book, the book to go with it, and mm -hmm. and yeah, so that goes as a as a set as well. Okay, okay, so everything's gonna come out together. Perfect, Sean. I want to thank you so much for spending this time. It has been fantastic to talk to you because you, this was great. You know, dragons. Um, I know there's people. Everybody's got their own idea about dragons, and but regardless, across the board, they're fascinating. They're fascinating, uh, regardless of how you look at them, you know, whether you want to, like, uh, come down on your enemies riding a dragon or, you know, you <laughs> want to have a, a dragon, you know, BFF, you know, whatever your, your outlook is, they're fascinating. They're fascinating creatures. And again, thank you so much. And well, I look thanks. forward to seeing when, when this uh, deck and the book come out. I will let you know. Take care. Let... Good luck to you. It's Like I said, it's... Uh, I know there's people that are going to be going, oh, my God, it's going to take so long for it to be available. Because, <laughs> of course, we're, we're, we're such, we're, we're into, in, into our instant gratification. So, of course, guys, yes. something to be look patient. forward to. Okay. Well, you take care. Bye, darling. Take care. Bye. Ah, isn't that great? You know what? And I think... Um, you know, we, I mean, we kind of like, you know, the, the, the feel of dragons, depending on whether you just think of them as things that maybe you've seen in the movies or maybe you're more into dragons because you've read a lot of stories and you're a dragon fan or, like I said, you know, you come from the school of, uh, you know, dragons are would be great in a fight, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or like what I was referring to in, like, uh, how they depicted smog, you know. 
uh, I want to sit under my mountain of gold and, you know, have this deep voice, <laughs> which is great, by the way. Um, everybody's, I, I want to say most people at some point have, have been exposed to dragons in one way or another. And I think it's fascinating. Yes, it's true. I'm, I am going to have a dragon character. I foreshadowed it in one of my simple, I did like a, like a three-page thing because I wanted to set that up, like throw out that tidbit. And then, but that that story where that, that dragon character is a main character. We're talking here world building. As in, as in um, that's, that's my little chihuahua back there. She has her, where's my evening meal? By the way, she's 15 years old. She's my, my old, old girl. She's a little, little chihuahua where I've taken everywhere with me. I have pictures of her coming out of a SpongeBob carryall in front of the White House, Times Square, uh, everywhere. I've traveled with her everywhere. Yes, that's my girl. And she's 15 years old and she's making the where's my evening meal yeah and uh all the other puppies roll around sometimes she gets mad a lot of her teeth are missing and her vision is not the greatest but man can she smell she gets all over the place just on smell alone that thing is still like that sniffer is as good as it was when i got her as a puppy but anyway getting back to the dragon thing um <clears throat> you know uh, again, my dragon story is still, since it's a bigger, it's a, it takes more imagination juices because it's world building. Uh, it's inter, interdimensional kind of like thing. So that, that there's a whole that, that goes into that. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, and I agree with her. In some cases, and I understand, dragons have been used as the, the villain or the, oh, you know, the, the Godzilla moment where everybody's going, ah, you know, and you see all the little humans running, ah, you know, that kind of deal. Um, towards versus, you know, the, the dragon being more nicer, you know, like as I could ride my dragon around and then you have the stories where the dragon is actually developed more of a closer, um, I kind of, what's the word I'm looking Like a, as an even character, even though you're a dragon and you're a human, but you don't have a brittle on me and ride me around. I might let you cling to me if it's expedient because we're going somewhere you know, and I got wings, but, you know, that kind of deal. I know everybody's got their, you know, there's people going out there. But, yeah, as a matter of fact, where's my dragon? Let me see. Where's my, I have a stuffed dragon. I've had, where's my stuffed dragon? Where's, where's my stuffed I've had a, uh, where, I can't, I don't know where I have. Back there somewhere. I have this little stuffed dragon and I've had that stuffed dragon for like 20 years. And uh, I've, it's always been in my office and I either have it in the back or on my desk or along with my Scooby-Doo. Yes, yeah, 
you know, Scooby-Doo doll that's back there, right there. My Scooby, yeah, Dave, the, yeah. Yeah, that, that you know, that's, uh, yeah, that, 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 when I, yeah, that's, that's kind of my cuckoo thing. Yeah, yeah, my agent, I still have some stuffed animals because to me, they, they're like this, uh, this thing that you still have your, your imagination, you know, by the way, I have a very good grip on reality, really good, but, but that doesn't mean that my imagination is, uh, good, good in, you know, where I appreciate looking at stuffed animals and doing the what if, you know, then your imagination jumps on it and away we go, which by the way, um, I think I developed because since I was a child, I was a reader and, uh, long before yeah, they had Saturday morning cartoons and stuff like that, which I loved by the way. But you know, when you read, when you read, I mean, you have no, you have to use your imagination because what else is there to do when you read? And, um, and you like a muscle that develops it, it just, you unleash it. And then if you're imaginative to begin with, which I was an imaginative kid, but I think that that, that adds a richness to our lives that hopefully you keep all through your life um, because you daydream, you come up with stories. And the truth is, it helps us sometimes once you become an adult uh, to, to get you through sometimes rough, rough times as an adult. And by this, I mean that you know, I've spoken about it where reading or your imagination detaches you a little bit sometimes from reality for a little bit, by the way, for a, for a little bit to kind of like counterbalance things in your life when maybe things are difficult um, or just to pull you back and sometimes even come up with fresh ideas or different aspects or minimize maybe the enormity of a problem where you could detach and think about other things and it's your the richness of your imagination is what sometimes allows you um even even sometimes when you go in to see a movie uh like i say sometimes like uh, let's say I mean, god knows there's enough movies out there that are have no basis in reality or they're and it's like some people sometimes I've he I've heard them critique movies. Oh, I can't believe that. It's like okay, you know some movies that you have to do what it costs: suspend your disbelief, which is like set it apart and enjoy it. It's almost like if you suspend your disbelief, you're like doing something really bad or something wrong. No, what's wrong with that? Like I said, I have an excellent, excellent grip on reality. Really, really good. Okay, and believe it or not, I consider myself an analytical personality. But then there's the other part of me which is highly imaginative. Okay, and, and I hate, and I'm glad to say that I've had it since I was a kid and I've never lost it. I've never lost it. Um, and even though it's well delineated, like this is reality and this is not reality. And the reason why I say that is that I know that sometimes, um, especially uh you know they you know when kids and i want to say teenagers sometimes do really awful things 
People say, oh, well, that person, like, I want to say back in the 90s when there was Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, this kid lost their perspective or now with the video games. You know what? I know it's to be highly imaginative, but even as a kid, I always knew what was real and what was not real. Okay. Um, so sometimes when I hear that argument about certain teenagers, that, that line blurs is that, yeah, okay, but there's other problems there in the background up here with this person when they lose, when that line blurs for them. Okay, in other words, that they they pile on the responsibility, uh, especially when they do something bad. Uh, I, you know, I've heard, you know, where kids will, uh, you know, some of these games that are, that people die. Like, they don't understand the concept of death or the permanency of death. Um, let me tell you, if you're... I want to say as a child, unless you live really, 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 really protected, you, you as a child will experience death if not of a, a human being, of a pet, an animal, something outside that introduces you to the concept of life seizing, you know, like, like, like the finality of it. Um, you know, again, you know, where you understand it, maybe not entirely, but, you know, which I think is the normal process of things as, you, as a child grows and develops, you know, that, like in other words, you don't expect a two or three year old to understand it. Let's say you lose a pet versus a child that's already seven, eight, nine years old. You know, they're gonna grieve for a pet or, you know, things of that nature or something dies or if you find a dead animal. And I'm talking here before, you know, other children have experienced the, the, the loss of a loved one. But but yeah, uh, getting back to the original point about dragons uh, and that I think that they offer a texture, a storyline uh, for the imaginative and of course for those that like stories and movies and and I know there's a lot of dragon aficionados out there. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories of the Supernatural. And thanks again for being part of my audience. You're all wonderful. And I have a lot of great guests coming on. Also, make sure to look at my books. Uh, you can go to MarlenePardo.com or MyLegosChronicles.com or my author profile page on Amazon at MarlenePardo.com. On there, you're going to see all my books, fiction and nonfiction, etc., etc., etc. So, again, 